Engaging conversation on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. To a special place called America. It was a small cluster of colonies caught between a great ocean and a vast wilderness. It was home to an incredible people with a revolutionary idea that they could rule themselves, that they could chart their own destiny, and that together they could light up the entire world. Friends, welcome. Father Frank Pavone here, National Director of Priests for Life. We're happy to bring you Praying for America in partnership with Right Side Broadcasting Network. We're going to pray, and then I'm going to share with you a little bit of an extensive uh, reflection on Scripture, uh, and then a couple of comments on uh, some of the uh, current events in our American political life. But let's uh, turn to the Lord in prayer. Father, we thank you for America. We pray for America tonight. We pray, Lord, because we are called to be great citizens of this great nation. And as followers of you, Lord God, we recognize when the principles of your gospel, when the principles of uh, self-evident truths and inalienable rights are, are, are incorporated into a government, then that is a privilege to belong, to live under that government. Lord God, we govern ourselves. Nobody governs us. Nobody has power over us. It is by our consent, by the consent of the governed, that those who are in public office have any kind of authority. Lord, we reclaim that truth. We reclaim that truth. As President Trump has, has, has enunciated over and over again and reminded us, it is about we the people. It's returning power to the people. Lord God, when he was inaugurated as the 45th president of this country, he said it's not about the transfer so much from of political power from one party to another as it is the transfer of that power from government back to the people. Lord God, this is the, exactly the opposite of tyranny. This is exactly the opposite of a dictatorship. Lord God, this is exactly the opposite of a leader who is self-aggrandizing or narcissistic. Lord God, this is service in the way that your Son, Jesus Christ, has taught us that we empty ourselves and that those in authority do not lord it over their people as if they have to make their power felt, but rather that they serve. That they serve the people because they recognize, Lord God, that you have served us first. They serve the people because they recognize, Lord God, that we're endowed with rights by you. They serve the people because they recognize that they are to give to Caesar what is Caesar's, but give to God what is God's. And to you, O God, alone belong absolute obedience. To you, O God, alone belongs absolute dominion over human lives. So we thank you, Lord, for a country based on the truth of what government is supposed to be according to your own plan, Lord God. For in your word you have Paul say to the Romans, 
that the civil servants are servants of you, O God, servants of ministers of God. Thank you, Lord, for the ministers of God that come to us in the churches. Thank you, Lord, for the ministers of God that come to us in government. And for those in government, Lord God, who are not acting like ministers of God, who rather are lording it over the people that they are supposed to be serving, Lord, we have one special, simple, special prayer to offer tonight. May they be voted out of office. May they be voted out of power. May they be deprived of their positions. Because, Lord God, they are abusing those positions. Take them out of office by the power of our vote, by the awakening within our fellow citizens' hearts of the awareness of these wonderful principles that our founders pointed out to us. We ask all this in the mighty name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, before I get into further scripture, friends, and please uh, feel free to leave your own uh, prayer intentions in the comments. We always want to be able to pray uh, with you and for you and for all that you need. But did you see the recent polling about suburban citizens who, well, now they're more in favor of President Trump than, uh, than Biden. Let me just share this with you. Um, Emerson College uh, released some polling that uh, talks about both the 2022 and the 2024 upcoming uh, elections. And contrary to what various commentators were saying, for example, the liberal Brookings Institution uh, after the 2020 election about uh, suburban America giving Biden uh, the edge in uh, the, uh, that uh, segment of uh, the voters, um, and the idea that this could somehow become the backbone of the Democrat Party as it is wedded to the support they have in the urban areas, well, apparently that backbone hasn't coalesced very well. America is abandoning Biden, and uh, President Trump now in a hypothetical um, rematch of the two of them leads by a pretty good substantial margin, like 47% to 38%. Um, Okay, in just 17 months, in which there has been all kinds of economic turmoil and confusion, apparently Biden has lost the suburbs. And uh, let me read some more details of this polling. Former President Trump has nearly a 12-point favorability advantage over Biden. 59% of voters say they are somewhat or very favorable of Trump, compared with 47 who are somewhat or very favorable of Biden. And in a hypothetical 2024 election against former President Trump, Biden trails... 45% to 42%. So this is, um, you know, 
there's a whole trend going on, isn't there? This is reflective of trends that we see from so many other ways of measuring things that uh, this current administration is really on a, on a downward track in so many different ways. And uh, the other lesson that is coming across here, again, by many different measurements in many different sectors, is that the Democrat Party has something to be worried about here. But what surprise would that be, especially like if you talk about suburban parents, when when they're going into schools and, uh, and, and, and indoctrinating our children with these ideas that, uh, oh, well, you know, you're all racist. You know, America is racist at its very foundation, and you're necessarily racist if you're white or if you're a man or all this all this stuff which is simply uh propaganda and has nothing to do with truth speaking of truth let's take a little journey here through a scriptural uh passage it's actually an entire chapter of scripture and i want to focus on this because there's a very important lesson here for us who work for the greatness of America in the midst of all this chaos and confusion in the world and in our nation. And a lot of the chaos going on in the world has been generated by, or at least facilitated by, weak leadership in our own country. We lead the world here in America, either for better or for worse. If we're strong, if we're doing good, uh, if we are thriving, both in values and in other ways, economy, security, etc., well, then we're going to be better able to lead the rest of the world and we're going to help the rest of the world. But if, in fact, we fall short, violate uh, our, our values or have weak leadership when it comes to security and economy and other things, well, that's going to bring down the rest of the world as well. And that's what we're witnessing before our eyes. But in the midst of all this, there's a lesson in the scripture passage I'm about to share with you that I want to bring out for you. So this is uh, the 11th chapter of John's gospel. And this is also significant for this period of time that we are in now prior to Easter. Many Christians are celebrating what we call the Lenten season. And it is a season where we come to grips with some of these key biblical themes, like the theme of life, which we're going to read about in John 11 with the raising of Lazarus, um, uh, because it's a key theme that is represents what Easter is all about. The Paschal mystery, the death and resurrection of Christ, restores life to the world. And it's in embracing that, that eternal life that comes from Christ is found by faith in him, uh, that constitutes the preparation that we are undertaking now for Lent. We want to embrace that life even more faithfully. We want to be transformed by that life. And again, it all boils down to something we're going to hear expressed here by Martha and Mary, the sisters of Lazarus, that they had faith in Christ. That's what it comes down to. Let's read the passage, and then we'll give we'll do some reflections on it. And all in the midst of all of this, this is meant to nourish our prayer for. America, that we as a country and we as individual citizens will continue to embrace this life of Christ. That's what makes America great. That's what sustains our nation. That's what transforms our whole country. John 11. Now a man was ill, Lazarus from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Martha was the one who had anointed the Lord with perfumed oil and dried his feet with her hair. It was her brother, Lazarus, who was ill. 
So the sisters sent word to him, saying, Master, the one you love is ill. When Jesus heard this, he said, This illness is not to end in death, but is for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was ill, he remained for two days in the place where he was. Okay, and then let me skip down to verse 11. And then Jesus told them, Our friend Lazarus is asleep, but I am going to wake him. The disciples said, Master, if he is asleep, then he'll be saved. But Jesus was talking about his death while they thought he meant ordinary sleep. So then Jesus said to them, Clearly, Lazarus has died. And then they went, of course, to visit Bethany. Verse 17. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, only about two miles away. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to comfort them about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went to meet him. But Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise. Martha said to him, I know he will rise in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, even if he dies, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord. I have come to believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one who is coming into the world. When she had said this, she went and called her sister Mary secretly, saying, The teacher is here and is asking for you. As soon as she heard this, she rose quickly and went to him. For Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still where Martha had met him. So when the Jews who were with her in the house comforting her saw Mary get up quickly and go out, they followed her, presuming she was going to the tomb to weep there. When Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you would had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her weeping, he became perturbed and deeply troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Sir, come and see. And Jesus wept. So the Jews said, See how he loved him? But some of them said, Could not the one who opened the eyes of the blind man have done something so that this man would not have died? So Jesus, perturbed again, came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay across it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the dead man's sister, said to him, Lord, by now there will be a stench, for he has been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you for hearing me. 
I know that you always hear me, but because of the crowd I have said this, that they may believe that you have sent me. And when he had said this, he cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, tied hand and foot with burial bands, and his face was wrapped in a cloth. So Jesus said to them, Untie him and let him go free. That is the from the 11th chapter of St. John's Gospel. The theme of life in Christ. The victory of life over death. The power of Christ Jesus over death. few key things should stand out to us here. First of all, when Martha greets Jesus, now Martha and Mary are mourning over their brother who's been in the tomb four days, and yet when they encounter Jesus, they both say the same thing, independently of one another. If you had been here, Jesus, he wouldn't have died. Can you imagine going to somebody's wake service, and there they are in the casket and the family is grieving and you're greeting them and consoling them. Can you imagine going to a wake service or a funeral and one of the family members saying to you, if you had been here sooner, he, she would have never died. You don't say that to people unless you believe that they have power over life and death itself. And in this case, Martha and Mary did believe that and they were right. Because Jesus does have that power over life and death. He is God. So they expressed that faith. And the point of the whole incident here, and the reason why John is relating this story to us in his gospel, the whole point of it is faith in Christ. Remember, Jesus asks Martha, do you believe this? Do you believe that I am the Son of God. It's a matter of faith. And then you see his prayer that he says to the Father just before he raises Lazarus. He says, Father, I am saying this, that the crowd here may believe, they believe that you sent me. He's raising Lazarus, not just to do a good deed for his friend Lazarus, and for Martha and Mary and their family. He's doing it because he's leading people to faith in him. Because when we have faith in him, we are putting faith in the one who said, I am the resurrection. It's not just the resurrection in a future, as a future event, as something foretold. It was foretold by the prophets. You remember the prophet Isaiah in um, the 25th chapter of his prophecy? saying the Lord will destroy death forever. I will remove, that prophecy says, the veil that veils all peoples, the web that is woven over all nations. I will destroy death forever. What a beautiful prophecy there in Isaiah uh, 25. Or you can go to Ezekiel 37, where the Lord says, I will have you rise from your graves Oh, my people, rise from your graves. But Jesus is saying he's the fulfillment of all these prophecies. It's not just the resurrection 
being foretold as some future event that God will bring about. Yes, he will. But now Jesus is saying, I am the resurrection. This victory over death that Almighty God will bring about, he's bringing it about through me. He's bringing it about because of me. Have faith in me, Jesus says. That is the antidote to death. Our founders believed this. They wrote about it. They talked about it. Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life. If you believe in me, now he makes a distinction here. If you believe in me, even if you die, you will live. You will be raised. We can go back uh, uh, six chapters and you'll recall, let me go there. In John chapter 5, he's talking about um, the resurrection. And he says, do not be amazed because the hour is coming in which all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and will come out those who have done good deeds to the resurrection of life, those who have done wicked deeds to the resurrection of condemnation. Okay, so again, he's pointing to the end of time. Martha said it. I believe in the resurrection on the last day. But then Jesus does something different. Without denying that, he says, I am the resurrection. And so he says both in John 11 and then here in in John 5, And again, he does it in John 6. Let me show you what I'm talking about. He says, okay, if you live and believe in me, you will never die. Now, we know that we have to physically die. He wasn't denying that. He's talking now about a kind of eternal life, a sharing in the very life of God that doesn't just begin in the next world. It begins in this world. If you live and believe in me, you will never die. What does he mean? You have eternal life now that endures even beyond the grave. Even dying doesn't take it away. Uh, So we go back to chapter 5. He talks about coming out of the tombs at the end of time. But then listen to this. He says in a few verses before that, Whoever hears my word and believes in the one who sent me has eternal life and will not come to condemnation, but has passed from death to life. Even now it has happened that you have passed from death to life. He means spiritual death. You've passed into spiritual life. You are now sharing the very nature of God. You've become a son or daughter of God through faith in Christ. And that will never go away. Nothing can can take that life from you. So he goes on to say, this is verse 25 in John chapter 5. Amen, amen, I say to you, the hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. So here he's not talking about the end of time. He's talking about today. You can pass from death to life by listening to and putting your faith in Jesus Christ. I mentioned John chapter 6. That's where he talks about, again, belief in Him and having life as a result of it. And he says, those who believe in me have eternal life. Present tense. And I will 
raise them up on the last day. So again, he's talking about a reality that we possess now, a life that we have today, which then endures and blossoms into an actual physical resurrection from the dead at the end of time. Going back to John 11, I want to focus on, well, first of all, Jesus, when he sees the crowd weeping and he sees the sorrow of his friends, Martha and Mary, he's perturbed. The Greek here of the New Testament says he snorted in spirit. A strange phrase. He was very disturbed at how the power of death was affecting human beings. Brothers and sisters, God is always, always of that attitude. God hates death. Scripture tells us God did not make death. He hates it. He destroys it. He rescues us from it. So he's per- that, that being perturbed in spirit shows his love for us. Because he didn't make us for the grave. He made us for life with him forever. But then I want to point out two little words. And this again, again goes back to Martha's reaction when she sees him. Lord, if you have been here, had been here, you would have never died. This is in verse 21. And then in verse 22. But even now. I know God will give you whatever you ask him. See how she's nudging him? She says, Lord, raise him up. Raise him from the dead. Even now, raise him from the dead today. But that phrase, even now, and this is where it ties in with you and I living amidst all this confusion and chaos and destruction and death and unraveling of values and unraveling of the Constitution and unraveling of our history and unraveling of the peace and stability of the world. We say, what in the world is going on? And can we ever come back from this? Our faith has to answer that question. And we've got to be able to say to God, I trust in you for the greatness of America, for the peace of the world, and for the restoration of our values. I believe in you, God, even now. Even now that we've come so far, even now that things have unraveled so far and so quickly, disturbingly quickly, even now after this pandemic, after this China virus, even now with the chaos in, in the world that uh, Russia is creating, even now, I can have faith that all will be well. I can have faith, Lord God, that your spirit who breathed over the chaos at the very dawn of creation can once again bring order out of chaos. Even now, O oh God, life can be victorious over death, as tens of millions, 63 and a half million children in the United States have been killed by abortion since Roe versus Wade. But even now, oh God, I believe that the sanctity of life and its protection can be restored. Even now, Lord God, our children can be raised as patriots and overcome the lies that the other side wants to tell them about America. Even now, as courts and judges have ripped up and rewritten the Constitution. Even now, Lord God, I believe that this Constitution can have its full force and vigor to help us govern ourselves in this great country. Even now, 
as we have been embarrassed on the world stage by all kinds of, of, of events that did not have to happen, even now, Lord God, our respect among the nations can be restored, even now that the economy has been unraveled by an absolutely incompetent administration, even now, Lord God, we can get back to our former strength that we had. Even now, all of this, because our founders put themselves under the sovereign authority and providence of God, even now we can hope in Him that things will be right. Brothers and sisters, this is what we have to take from this beautiful passage in John chapter 11 about the raising of Lazarus. We talk in our political rallies, and rightly so, about saving America. And we know, and President Trump said this when he visited uh, the church of uh, my friend, uh, Pastor uh, Dr. Robert Jeffries. He was on this program with us not too long ago. Remember just before Christmas when President Trump spoke in his church, he said, you know, Pastor Jeffries is talking about a savior. He says, America has a savior, President Trump said. And it's not me. He said, it's someone much, much higher. God is our savior. Christ is our savior. He's the only savior. He's the only hope of the world. He's the only hope of America. So when we in our rallies, we say, save America, we know we're not doing it of our own power, but we know we have to be cooperating with God's power. We have to be welcoming it. We have to be embracing it. We have to be proclaiming it. We have to be applying it. Then America is restored in her greatness, restored in adherence to the principles of her founding, restored in the values of the gospel itself. Let us pray. Father, save us. Father, we know that even now, because of our faith in your Son, Jesus Christ, crucified and risen, that life can prevail over death, truth over falsehood, order over chaos, truth over lies. Lord God, even now, America can prevail over those who hate her. May we be vessels of this hope. Maybe we be living examples of this supreme confidence. Maybe be agents of this change that needs to occur. May we bring back into office the right political leadership for our country to make all this happen, Lord God. And just as your son Jesus Christ stood before the tomb and told Lazarus to come out, so now, Father, send him to us, send him within our midst to speak those words again, Lazarus, come out, to take out from the tomb those goods that have been killed, those goods that have been trampled down, that truth be restored from the lies that have trampled it down, that our values be restored from the evils that have trampled them down. Even now we trust in you. And we pray in the words that Jesus himself gave us, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. and Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. 
For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Well, I hope this has been encouraging to you, friends, and we lift up all your intentions as well. Uh, And we ask God's blessing on you and your families, your health, your decisions, your work, your worship, your leisure. Uh, Lord, may your blessing be upon all your people. Answer all their prayers and protect all whom they love. In Jesus' name, amen. Friends, join us again tomorrow. And please, in the meantime, connect with me on social media. At FR Frank Pavone is my address, as you can see on the screen. Connect with Right Side Broadcasting on all the major social media platforms. And uh, let's join each other again tomorrow in praying for America. I think we have Richard Lee. We have uh, Jim Garlow. And we have Father Frank Pavone, someplace there in the audience. So I appreciate you. I appreciate you. Follow him, Father Frank Pavone, FR Frank Pavone, on Twitter. He is the National Director of Priests for Life. Please go to priestsforlife.org. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.